tomb. This was Lazarus's tomb. Lazarus had died and Jesus, you know, uh, came to the tomb. Lazarus was on the inside of the tomb. His body was dead, wrapped in grave clothes, laying in the tomb. Jesus then again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot. Notice, he who had died came out bound hand and foot. Notice, he was raised from the dead. Jesus raised him from the dead. A bona fide miracle raised from the dead and he who had died came out but notice bound hand and foot with the grave clothes bound hand and foot with the grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth Jesus said to them said to those people standing by his disciples said loose him and let him go loose him and let him go Loose him and let him go. You know, Lazarus being raised from the dead is a natural example of a spiritual truth. He was dead, then he was raised, but yet he's bound. Think about that, dead, raised, but still bound, needing to be loosed from his grave clothes. I've seen this I have seen this so much over the past 30 plus years. Christians, those who were once dead in trespasses and sins, they get born again. They, re, they, they come to the Lord Jesus with a repentant heart and they believe on him. They get born again, raised from spiritual death and on their way to heaven, yet bound hand and foot, bound from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet with grave clothes. That is to say, with things that still cling to them from their old lives before they got born again. Things which keep them bound and keep them from enjoying the fullness of the life that God desires them to live. They need to be loosed. They need to be loosed. As a pastor, I desire to see sinners born again, all right, and raised from spiritual death. But in addition to that, one of my main jobs as a pastor is to keep Christians loosed and set free from the grave clothes of their own lifestyle, of their old lifestyles, you see. You need to understand that. As a pastor, one of my main jobs is to keep Christians, such as yourselves, 
loosed and set free from the grave clothes of your old lifestyles. You see, the Bible's clear. The way that I would loose a Christian, one that is bound by their old lifestyle, by the grave clothes of their old lifestyle, is by getting the truth of God's word through to them. And that truth, and only that truth of God's word will loose them and make them free. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will what? Make you free. Now, if you would, let me give you an example, another example of this. Go to Luke, the 13th chapter in the 10th verse. Luke, the 13th chapter in the 10th verse. Luke, the 13th chapter in the 10th verse. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. That's Jesus. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Notice she had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are what? You are what? You are, you're what? You're loosed from your infirmity. So she needed to be, she was bound. She needed to be loosed. But it's interesting as we read on, notice this. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. That's what religion will do do to you. But let's move on. Verse 15, the Lord, well, he wasn't getting them healed them other six days. Is that right? The Lord then answered and said, hypocrite. See, that's what Jesus thinks of that. Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, now watch this, this woman who was bound, Jesus loosed her, so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. Notice that, being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound. Notice God didn't bind her. She was bound by Satan, but notice being a daughter of Abraham, think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Now, notice this woman had a covenant with God. She, had the, she, she was in that Abrahamic covenant. She was having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through that Abrahamic covenant. How many of you know it's always been Jesus from, from the Garden of Eden until the present day in which we live, it's been Jesus all along. Do you understand that? God preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to Adam and Eve in the garden when he talked about the one that would come, that would, that would uh, crush the uh, serpent's head. He was talking about Jesus. Abraham, you know, he preached Jesus. He preached the gospel, you know. Jesus is the central point of the gospel. Moses, you know, and the prophets, they all preached Jesus. Every, every last one of them preached Jesus. You can't miss hell and make heaven apart from Jesus. You understand that? And so this Abrahamic covenant, Jesus stands at the center of that Abrahamic covenant. This woman had a covenant. She, she was a daughter of Abraham. Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. She had a covenant with God. Think about it. She's going to make heaven. This woman's going to miss hell and make heaven because she has a covenant with God. But notice she's bound. Realize, say she's bound. Yeah, she's bound. On her way to heaven, but bound. On her way to heaven, but bound, bound by sickness and disease. And Jesus, what did he do? He, he loosed her, didn't he? Didn't he loose her? 
And this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about here today. People who have, have come to the Lord Jesus, they're, 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 they're born again, all right. They're, they're eternal security is, they have eternal security through the Lord Jesus Christ. Them going to heaven, that's not the issue. How many of you know God wants you to live an abundant life here upon the earth? You know what I mean by that? And have, have, have peace and joy and all of that here upon the earth not just go to heaven. Is that right? And, and I will say without, without, with, with, with undeniably, the, the vast majority, the vast majority of Christians that I've met over the many years have been bound in some way or another by the grave clothes of their old lifestyle, including at times myself. And God wants us to be loosed. Real loud, say, be loosed. loosed. Yeah. Is it possible for somebody to have a covenant with God? We live in the new covenant. Is it possible to have have a covenant with God? And and you're going to miss hell and make heaven, but yet you live your life bound, bound, bound. Sure, happens all the time. Most Christians live their lives bound by the grave clothes of their old life. You see... Uh, let's talk about sickness and disease. Do you know that, 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 and I've met so many folks, met so many of them over the years, Christians now. They're born again, they're going to heaven, but yet they live bound by sickness and disease, just like this lady we just talked about. God doesn't want you bound by sickness and disease. I said he doesn't want you bound by sickness and disease. Satan is the one that'll put sickness and disease upon you. It doesn't come from God. You understand that. But yet I've seen so many Christians, they live, they live their lives bound, bound by sickness and disease. One reason that Christians are, are bound by sickness and disease, now, now they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, all right. They're gonna go to heaven, all right. But they've been taught wrong concerning uh, the healing, the healing uh, of God and the healing power of God and the will of God. Do you know there's a lot of Christians that think it's God's will for them to be sick? Did you know that? I said there's a lot of Christians that they think that they really do. They think that they're sick for the glory of God. They think that God's going to get some kind of glory out of their sickness. How many of you know God doesn't get any glory out of any sickness or disease? You understand that? But you see, if you notice in Matthew 15, verse 6, Matthew 15, verse 6, Matthew 15, verse 6, the last part of that verse, Jesus said that you've made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. You know, if if we hang to the traditions of men and don't go with the word of God, we can be bound. You know, uh, that, that ruler of the synagogue there, he was a preacher, if you will, and, and, and he was telling, I mean, Jesus got that lady healed on the Sabbath day. He was against, he was against that, wasn't he? Six days, come on the other six days. See, see, those kind of people will, and, and it happens all the time. You got preachers and pulpits and, and, and different things. They'll stand and they'll actually tell you that it's God's will for you to be sick. Or they'll tell you the healing power of God's passed away. Or they'll tell you that, you know, it was, it, you know, God's not in the healing business anymore and all of that stuff. You understand that? 
And people will listen to that and they'll buy into that. And so they'll live their entire life down here on the earth, bound by sickness and disease. They'll die one day, go to heaven, but, they, but they've suffered sickness and disease down here upon the earth. And they were out of the will of God the whole time they were suffering. It wasn't God's will for them to be sick. Can you say amen? And one of my jobs is, what did Jesus say? He said, loose, loose him. Real loud, say loose him. Yeah, loose him and then say, let him go. Yeah, we got to loose people and let them go. Loose people and let them go, you see. And one way you do that is you'll know the truth and the truth will what? Make you free. You know, just on the subject of healing, you can go into the Bible if you're here and you think it's God's will for you to be sick. Well, look at the original creation. Was there sickness and disease in the original creation? That's the will of God for all time for all, all man. You don't see sickness and disease in the original creation in the Garden of Eden. You don't see it. You don't see sickness and disease until after the fall of man, until after man has sinned. Sickness and disease is the foul offspring of, of, of its father, the devil, and its mother's sin. Do you understand that? Never the will of God. Never the will of God. You understand that? Uh, Jesus said, pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's God's will that... that, 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 that that, that what's going on in heaven be upon the earth. Do you see any sickness or disease in heaven? Absolutely not. So it's not God's will upon the earth. And then you can look and see that God's name is healing. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals thee. You see, somebody is known by, by their name and their name describes what they do. And one of God's many names, there's one God, he has many names because he does many things. And one of his names, Jehovah Rapha, the healer, you see. God wants you, you, you well. He, his name is healing, you see. And then you see the fatherhood of God. Would any of you daddies in here put sickness and disease on your children under any? circumstances. Absolutely not. If you were, you're not a fit father, you see. And God's a good heavenly father, you see. He's better than any earthly father. So if you wouldn't have an earthly father put sickness and disease on his children, certainly God wouldn't do it. And then you look at the old covenant. The old covenant was a covenant of healing, you see. And the Bible says we're in the, we're under the new covenant and it's established on better promises. So if they were getting, if healing was available in the old covenant, how many even know it's, it's, it's more than available here in the new? Is that right? And then you look at the ministry of Jesus upon the earth. You see, the ministry of Jesus upon the earth, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In the ministry of Jesus upon the earth, you see the will of the Father God for all men for all time. And the Bible said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Did Jesus go around healing people? Sure he did. Certainly he did. And you see that the devil will bind people, but Jesus goes around healing them. See, what am I doing here right now? I'm taking the word of God, and, and, which is truth. And anybody that's here listening to my voice that think that, because there's a lot of people that are bound, I'm talking Christians, bound by sickness and disease. See, if we can get the truth of the word of God through to them and let them see the truth of the word of God, that you'll know the truth and the truth of what? It'll make you free and you get loosed. Is that right? Can you say Amen. Glory to God. So Jesus went around healing people. There's a lot of people, they think it's the will of God for them to be sick. But look at Jesus when the lepers came to him. Remember that? said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Did Jesus have to think about, well, was it, what did he say immediately? He said, I am what? I am willing, be thou clean. Is that right? So it's the will of God for us to be well. So if you're sick, let me tell you, if you're bound by sickness or disease, you can be loosed in a moment of time by the power of God. It's available to you right now. Can you say amen? Somebody say, well, yeah, but you know, well, you know, sickness and disease, it's, you know, well, the healing power of God's passed away. The Bible says Jesus is the same what? Yesterday, 
today and forever. If he was healing people yesterday, he'll be healing them what? Today, and he'll be healing them again forever. Is that right? Is that right? As long as sickness and disease is out there, Jesus is in the healing business. Praise God. Look at his redemptive work on the cross. He not only bore our sins, but he also carried our disease. Is that right? The Bible says that sickness and disease is part of the curse of the law, and Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. You got healing in the book of Acts. He gave healing power to the church. But yet you'll see people, and I don't put anybody down. If you're sick, I don't put you down. We don't put you down. Not at all. Not at all. There are some churches you go to that if you got sickness in your body, they'll say, well, don't you have any faith? You ought to be believing God, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Remember on the Wizard of Oz when that first house dropped and took out the one witch? Remember that? Remember another witch showed, showed up, remember? Said, watch out, or the... Next house is going to what? So don't you ever put anybody down that's sick. Because you don't want the next one to what? Fall on you. But yet there's good news for you if you are sick. If you are diseased in your body, you might be born again. You're, you're, you're on your way to heaven, but yet you're bound. And so what did Jesus tell us to do? Loose them and let them go. So what I just did is I shared the word of God with you on healing. We could take days and days and days to go over what I just went over with you, but I gave you enough right there to loose you. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. And then there are others. They may be well, I'm talking Christians now. They may be well in body, but they're bound by lack, bound by poverty. Did you know there's a spirit of poverty? Did you know that there is? If you don't know that, let me tell you that there is. I, I can, my wife and I, she'll, she'll attest to it. We'll be driving sometimes, you know, around, and you pass the county line. You go into a different county, and, and you, can, you just know by the Spirit of God, there's a spirit of poverty that reigns over this, this, this county. Do you understand that? And then, and then you have so many Christians. They're, they're saved people but they think that God wants them broke, busted, and disgusted. And they're bound by a spirit of poverty. They've been taught that my grandpa never had anything, my daddy never had anything, so I can't ever have anything. They're bound. They're bound in poverty. They're bound in lack. Barely making it from one paycheck to the next. Did you hear me? Did you know that's bondage when you're just barely making it from one paycheck to the next? You know what? That's, that's a horrible bondage. That's a horrible... I didn't say it was sin. I said it was bondage. What if the refrigerator goes out? Now what are you going to do? I said it's poverty. There's nothing good about poverty. Did you hear me? There's nothing good about lack. It's bondage. Bondage living on barely get along street. And usually that's located right next to Grumble Alley, isn't it? How many of you know God doesn't want you living on Barely Get Along Street? It's bondage. It's bondage. I know there was times in my wife's life and my, and my life together that, that, I mean, we just could, we, you know, you almost live on pins and needles. I don't want her to, I don't want her to tell me the refrigerator's gone out because we don't have money in the bank to... Don't tell me the air conditioner's gone out. We're, you know, we'll just have to live in, in the heat, you know. How many of you know that's bondage? You know, we don't want the car to start clonking because we don't have the money to... Do you, I'm talking days gone by. That's bondage. 
We were saved. We were going to heaven all right. That was settled. We had our faith in the Lord Jesus. But we were in the area of finances. We were bound, 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 bound. You understand that? Do you understand what I'm saying? We, did, we, we, you know, we couldn't go on, on a vacation back in those days. We went, you know what our vacation was one year? We went and looked at the Merrimack River. Praise God. Now let me just show you something about finances. You know there's a spiritual side to finances and a natural side to it. Spiritual side, you need to be a tither and a giver. You understand that? The natural side to it, you need to be a budgeter. And if you do one without the, out the other, it won't work. You'll never be blessed by God in finances if you do just the spiritual stuff without the natural or if you do the natural without the spiritual. With God, it's the natural and the supernatural coming together that make an explosive force for God. And so what you do is, in the spirit realm, you, you tithe and you give offerings. Did you hear me? I said you tithe and you give offerings. I said you tithe and you give offerings. He that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. Don't tip God. There was a day I was a tipper. I said there was a day I tipped God. I said I tipped him. What is a tithe? 10%? I wasn't even, I was putting in about, about 0.5. That's not a tithe, that's a tip. And God, one day I was sitting in a service one day. I'm not even married at the time. I'm about 20 years old. And I put in my tip when the offering came by. And the Spirit of God spoke to me right on the inside. He called me a freeloader. That's a low blow. What was he trying to do? I was already saved. What was he trying to do? He was trying to loose me. I said he was trying to loose me. God's big enough. He wants to call me a freeloader. He can. Now, if you do it, I might slap you, but... And what he spoke to me is you're sitting here taking up this air conditioning and these nice seats and all this and you're not doing your part. So I began tithing from that day to this. And then budgeting. Real loud say budgeting. We've always had budgeted, budgeted the money. Budgeted the money. You need to know how much coming in, how much going out. Budget, budget. That's not a dirty word. It's a word of blessing. It's all budgetings, all through the Bible, all through the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a book of budgeting. If you want to find true prosperity, you'll find it, at least in part, in the book of Proverbs. Budgeting, budget. Consider the ant, you sluggard. Remember that? How the ant gathers and stores up, you know? And you see God talks about, about these principles. And so we got the spiritual and the natural going together. Now all these years later, we're not living on barely get along street anymore. Can you say Amen. But see, God needed to get the truth of the word to us to, to loose us from that bondage of lack. Do you understand that? And there's so many Christians that are bound, bound by lack, barely making it, barely. You know, that's, not, that, that's a bondage, you see. But I've got good news for you. If you'll be faithful to God and, and you'll be a tither and a giver and a budgeter, now it won't happen overnight. It'll take some time, but in the process of time, you'll move out of the land of lack into the land of even and eventually you'll come out of the land of even over into the land of prosperity. Can you say amen? And then, you know the devil wants you bound and he don't mind which ditch you're bound in. How many of you know the devil wants you in a ditch? He doesn't care which side of the road it's on. 
I said the devil wants you in a ditch. He don't care which side of the road it's on. See, there's a, there's a ditch. I'm talking about finances right now and prosperity as it pertains to finances. There's a ditch on one side of the road where you think it's the will of God, where it's the will of God for you to be broke. Well, we've given you the truth on that. He doesn't, want, doesn't the Bible say he takes pleasure at the prosperity of his servant? Is that right? Doesn't the Bible say that Jesus, part of what he did in his redemptive work, he became, he be, now, now, he became poor so that we might ha- be what? Be rich. Now, that, now, now, see, you don't understand that word rich. You start thinking millionaire. That's not what that means. That, say, say abundant supply. Abundant supply. That means more than enough. Enough, enough to, if, if the refrigerator goes out, you can get it fixed. See, you understand that? But you see, you can get bound up on the ditch on the other side of the road. Where, 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 where I, you hear preachers, I hear, hear, hear them say that, you know, unless, unless you got vast amounts of money, you're, you're not in the will of God. Because one of the signs of, of, true, process, of true blessing of God is that, is that you got, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Ahead. You know, you can, you know that, that, that's a false teaching. You, should, you, you can be bound by that as well. There's a lot of people that are bound because they, Christians. Now, they think that because they don't have a, have a Mercedes Benz or they don't have a, have a Rolex watch or they don't have a this, that, or the other, that they're out of the will of God. How many of you know that that, that has nothing to do whether or not you're in the will of God or not? And those folk in that side of the road, they're bound by a haughty, the Spirit of God showed it to me, a haughty spirit of what I call prosperity. Stand up talking about, you know, they got this, this watch and this car and this house and this, that and the other and make people think that unless they have that. They, see that, they're, folks, those people are just as bound with a million dollars in the bank as the people over here are bound in debt. Did you know you can be just as bound over here with a million dollars in the bank thinking that the blessing of God is on you because you got a whole bunch of money in this or that? How many of you know just because you got a bunch of money? I mean, there's some millionaires, billionaires in the world. They're not saved. How many of you know they're not rich? I said they're not rich. I said they're not rich. You can have a billion dollars in the bank, but if you're on your way to hell, you're not rich. Is that right? I'm talking about Christians now, people that are on their way to heaven. Some of them are bound up over here. They got, they got nothing. They're bound and they think it's the will of God for them to have nothing. They're bound. And then you got other people over here on this side of the road and, and they, they got millions of dollars and this, and they're just as bound as the people over there. And really their God, their idol is money. How many of you know we ought to talk more about Jesus than money? Is that right? Let's don't be bound. Let's don't be bound on either ditch, but let's stay in the middle of the road and let's let's be tithers and givers and let's let's budget and let's walk in the blessing of God. Can you say amen? amen. And we can go on with this. There's others bound by fear. This is an area where I struggle with yet to this day. And my wife will attest to it. That bound, fear of this, fear of that, fear. I mean, even to the point sometimes the phone will ring and I, you know, fear. Romans 8.15 says, you did not, notice this, Romans 8.15, you did not receive, now watch this, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You did not receive the, how many of you know fear is a bondage? The Bible says fear has torment. And you see, when we were sinners 
And, and, and before we were saved, we have reason to fear. There's reason to fear. There's reason to fear. Did you know the ultimate fear is the fear of death, isn't it? And if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus, you ought to be afraid of death because hell awaits. But if you know Jesus, if, if, you're, if you're born again, uh, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of in death. Is that right? And, and living, living in our everyday life as we go through, through our daily life. One, one thing that I fear is fear of bad news. I'm just being honest with you. I just, I, I don't, does any, can anybody relate to me? I just, I don't want to hear bad news. I don't want to hear bad news. I just, I just, just, I just almost to the, and you know what? When I, and my wife will tell you when, when I'm in those things, it's like I'm a different person. It's not like I'm the person standing up here under the anointing. It's, it's, it's not fun to see. How many real loud say bondage? bondage? Yeah, but you see, God wants us loose. Real loud say loosed. loosed. He wants us loosed. Did you hear me? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But you see, this area I struggle in, and Dale will even tell you, because he sees me sometimes, and, and you know, it, it, it's a bondage. It's a, it's a horrible, it's a bondage. But it's, it's grave clothes of the old life. How many of you know fear is grave clothes of the old life? It's not going to do any good for me to stand up here and, and, and make you think that I don't have any of these, these issues and things. Then I'm not real. Then I'm a hypocrite. Listen, I struggle with some of this too. It's so easy to get, to, to get bound by the grave clothes of the old life, you see. But we need to keep ourselves loosed from that by the word of God. What does the word say? He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of love and of a sound mind. And then others, others are bound by old habits of the flesh. You know, Galatians 5.1 says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of what? Bondage. Probably of all of the different areas where I see Christians struggle with and they get bound up with the grave clothes of the old lifestyle is, is what I'm going to say in the next five, five minutes or so. Notice he says, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be what? Entangled again. So is it possible to get free of something and then get entangled again in it? Entangled again with a yoke of bondage. See, Lazarus came out of the tomb. He'd been raised from the dead, but he's still bound with those grave clothes. Jesus said to his disciples, loose him and let him go. And you see, I've seen this and I've dealt with some of these things in my own life where, oh my goodness, that old, the, the, old, the old man that the Bible calls it, that old, the flesh, the old lifestyle. Once we, How many of you know when you get born again, your spirit gets gets born again but your flesh doesn't that's a process where you got to put that old man under do you understand that and I tell you what if you're not watchful that the grave clothes of, the, of that old lifestyle will hang on that's pro- this is probably one of the biggest areas where, where I've watched people bound over the many years in the, in the book of Galatians uh, we won't turn to the scripture you can read on down there and see but the apostle Paul lists some of the grave clothes of the old life that, that folks struggle with Christians now we're talking about that they need to be loose from one is sexual immorality 
You need to understand something about your flesh. Your flesh will do all kinds and desire all kinds of crazy stuff. You need to understand that. And you got to... Actually, as we read on, maybe it'll help you if you look at Romans 8.13 real fast before we look at these because I'll tell you how to deal with them before we read them. Romans 8.13 For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die or you'll stay bound, we could say. But if by the Spirit you put to death, realize they put to death. See, by the Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now that putting to death there uh, means by, one, one rendering of it is by starvation. If you're having trouble with your flesh, you, you, you ask the Holy Spirit to help you and then you begin to starve that thing that's causing you problems. And if you starve, let me, let me say this to you. If, if my body, if I didn't eat long enough, it would eventually die. Is that right? Well, any bad habit of the flesh, if you starve it long enough, God is my witness. I've, I've proven this in my life. If you starve something long enough, eventually in the process of time, you'll stop craving it. I, I tell you what, I, 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 I have, I, my wife will tell you, I have a problem. I crave sweets. I love, she, she loves to bake. What a combination that is. She loves to bake cookies and brownies and, and sometimes I blame her. You know, didn't Adam blame Eve? And I'll say, it's your fault that I'm fat, bec- well, that I'm overweight because all you're cooking. Well, how many of you know she cooks it, but she doesn't open my mouth and stick it in. Is that right? But now for the last, since September the 10th, it's been, what now, about a, about a month, I haven't eaten any, I mean, I had a fork full of, of, of old birthday cake. But since September the 10th to right now, I've eaten virtually no sweets. And you know, I'm just now, the last couple of days, because I've starved it now, for the, I've starved the sweets for the last month. I'm at the point now where I, you, you put cookies up here, you put cake up here, you know, and it, and I can walk away from it. Cause, cause I'm, I, and with every day that goes by, it's easier. Because what am I doing? I'm starving it. Now, there's times, I'll tell you the God's honest truth. It, out there, like Judy, she makes those good sweets out there. And I'll go out after a Sunday and I'll, and I'll, I'll make, you know, I, I'm like an alcoholic. I'm telling you, only I'm a foodaholic. I'm a sweetaholic. And I'll go up there and I'll eat a few and when nobody else is looking, I'll stick some in my pocket, you know, or like a drunk will do, you know, they'll fill the glass and drink it. And when the, they're, somebody's gone to the bathroom, they'll get another one and fill it up. So, you know what I'm talking about? So, so they don't think anybody knows they're drinking more than what they should. Well, I'm that way with sweets, man. And I mean, and I've learned how to cut the cake so that, you know, or cut the pie or whatever. So I sliver off on either side so she doesn't know she knows, but, but I... I but I'm telling you, folks, this thing, it's bondage. It's a bond, bond, to the point where I crave it. It's, and and, it, and it, it's killing me. Do you understand that? Cholesterol and except, did, did you hear what I just said? But, but and wouldn't it be nice if we could have you up here, I lay hands on you, or you could gather around me and pray for me, lay hands on me, and abracadabra, the power of God had hit me and all that would leave. It doesn't work that way. There's only one way to get victory like over the sweets. You can pray for me all you want. Not gonna do, you might be able to pray that God would help strengthen me, but ultimately I'm going to have to just wire my mouth shut and not eat any of that stuff. Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
And the same thing is true, sexual immorality the Bible talks about. Hatred. How many of you know the flesh sometimes wants to hate people? This on purpose. Sometimes you just grab on and say, I am going to love these people, even though they deserve to be hated. <laughs> but I'm going to love them. How many have ever, you relate to me or not? Discord. I refuse to be in strife. I just refuse. Sometimes you just, but I tell you what, if you just refuse things, jealousy, you used to have a problem with this, but I've starved that one long enough. I'm not jealous of any, you walk up and tell me that God's blessed you with a magnificent, I'm gonna rejoice with you. I'm, I'm not jealous. But I've had to starve that. Fits of rage and anger. Now, I've never had problems in this one where anybody could see, but my wife will tell you. Now, I've never been abusive to her physically, but I have been abusive at times verbally, and it's not so much at her, it's just at the situation. Have you ever been mad at a situation? And you get so mad, and then you turn it on who's ever... And, and, and have I been better? Have, have I been? Because I've been starving it. And so sometimes I'll just... I'll just like. like Last evening, I was angry about something, had nothing to do with her. And I was in the bathroom just walking there, walking back and forth. And she came in, talked to me. I said, it'd be best if you, and she walked out. And I, and I, so I don't, I, I'm less, doing it less and less and less. I'm starving it. I said, I'm starving it. Selfish ambition, my way. My way. How many know there's some people bound to it? It's got to be my way. I've watched this in marriages. Oh my God. My way. It's got to be my way or the highway. How many of you know a good marriage can't stand on that? There's got to be compromise and give and take on both sides. Is that right? And so when we first got married, it, it, the trouble has been more with me than her, but I want my way on every, my way, my way, my way. And I've, I've been starving that. What do you want to do? You're going to think I'm a bad husband. Am I a bad husband? No. I'm a wonderful husband. She said it, but I'm just saying. I, these are, are, you, are you getting anything out of this? But you see, you can be born again and bound. Born again. That might be a better title, a born again and bound. But that's, that's what we're talking about today. Envy, drunkenness. So I've never struggled with drunkenness in the, in the world. Do you know that everybody has their weakness? Did you know that? With some people it's alcohol, with some people it's sex, with some people it's anger, with some people it's food. Some people have a double up with some of these. I've never seen anybody bound by all of them. That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? One of, one of the things that's listed on that list is idolatry. Did you know one of the, and I'm almost done, but let me just say this. One of the main things that God's people are bound with is the grave clothes of idolatry. Do you know what idolatry is? It's putting anything ahead of God. Anything ahead of God. And, and, and of all of them that I've watched over the many years, far more than sexual immorality or, or witchcraft, I skipped that one. You know witchcraft, we think of the witch, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble, but actually witchcraft has to do with controlling others. 
You know, there's some people bound. There's some wives bound that they got to have my way. They get bound. They got to, they're, they're, they're controlling of their husbands. Some husbands controlling of their wives and so on and so forth. That control, but you can be bound and, that, and that's a bondage when a controlling spirit, that's bondage, you see. But of all of these, idolatry is probably the one that I've watched God's people listen to me now over the last 30 some odd years. This is probably the one that stands at the head of the list above sickness, above disease, above, above poverty, above all this. This one stands at the top of the list of what I see God's people bound by more than anything else. It's idolatry. It's putting anything ahead of God. Did you know in the Old Testament they had, God's people had trouble with idolatry, didn't they? How many of you know after they came out of bondage of Egypt, they came out, they're out there in the wilderness. God did great miracles and, and delivered them across the Red Sea. And what are they building? They're building a golden calf to an idol. Is that right? And you see idolatry all through God's people and God warns about it, warns about it, warns about it, warns about it. And you know, one of the things the apostle John said, he said, my little children, he said, and you can read this over in, in, in his epistles. He said, my little children, keep yourself from idols. See, when you say idols, people are thinking about, you know, us building a golden calf and bowing down. No, no, anything that you put ahead of God is an idol. And you know, one of the things that I like the least about my job, my calling as a pastor, probably one of the top things that I just don't like about it is that I have to stand here at times and I have to, I have to take people's, I have to meddle with people's idols. Because you know that there are Christians, I'm talking Christians now, that they'll fight you to keep the grave clothes of idolatry. They'll fight you to keep, as a pastor, they get mad at me, they're angry with me, and all I'm trying to do is loose them. Because as long as you have idolatry, as long as that's in your life, as long as you have anything there that's, that's more important to you than God, you're in idolatry and you're bound. Did you hear what I just said? I've watched people, they put their husband ahead of God. They put their wife ahead of God. They put their children ahead of God. How many of you know God wants you to love your children? How many of you know he does? But he doesn't want your children to be more important to you than, 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 than he is. Is that right? I mean, I mean, your children ought to be more important to you than me or this building, but, but your children shouldn't be more important to you than God. But, but you have to stand here sometimes and you have, to, you have to warn people about things that they, sometimes a person, their job is more important to them than God. And the, and, and the list goes on. Probably one of the, the, the biggest things that, that, oh, and this one here is just, this has caused me so much problems over the years. But as a man of God, I've got to stand here and, and do it. Is that when people put sporting events ahead of God. Oh, did you hear the hush? <laughs> Yesterday afternoon, I, look, I watched that Cardinal game. Man, wasn't it a good game? Man, it was, wasn't it good? I mean, it is good. I'm all for the Cardinals. I've lived in St. Louis all my life. I'm all for the Cardinals. Man, I'm all for them. I, I'm, I said, I'm all for them. Great pitching. It's all good. I watched it. It was wonderful. I wasn't at the game. I put it on pause on my DVR, went up and ate my vegetables that my wife made for me. Praise <laughs> God. Glory to God. And, and then I went down and finished it. So I enjoy that. There's nothing wrong with enjoying it. But here's where the issue comes in. 
is when I see the sinners down there, that's, that's, I expect them to do that. that they're going to be, right? And I, don't, and I see the Christians down there with the towel. That's great. But shouldn't you be more, I'm not saying anybody in here isn't, I'm just saying generally who's ever listening, shouldn't we be as excited about Jesus and more than we are any sporting event? Cardinals are going to play in Los Angeles again tomorrow. I plan on watching it. But I tell you what, there's somebody I love more than the Cardinals and it's Jesus. There's somebody I love more than the Rams and that's Jesus. Years ago, the power of God came on me when the Rams were headed for the Super Bowl and the Spirit of God said, said, uh, said tell the people that a lamb died. Because I watched, I saw in the Spirit, I saw Christians in this city more excited about the Rams' ascendance to glory than they were about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus and, I, and death, burial, and resurrection. And I, and I stood and I, took, I stepped on people's idols. I tell you, people will fight you. They'll fight you to keep the grave clothes of idolatry. They'll fight you to keep it. And they're bound, 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 bound. But you know what? I have to stand under the anointing of God and loose people. Can you say amen? If you want to stay bound, that's your business. I said a lamb died on Calvary, not a ram. Oh my God. What was I doing? I was trying to loose people. Was I against the ram? No, I'm all for them. If you're sitting in your seat and you're nervous, you ought to be nervous. You're the person I'm trying to get loosed. Can you say amen? Am I against the rams? No, watch them. I watch them. If they're on today, I don't know if they're on. I'm going to go watch it this afternoon. But we, the Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I've watched people already. I've watched people. They, I mean, you said, we're going to go to the ball game. You say, well, let's go to church. Now, they're, they're born again, all right. But guess what? They're what? They're what? They're, they're what? They're what? They're what? What are they? They're bound. I mean, let's go to the ball game. Woo-hoo, let's go, man. Let's go to church. Woo-hoo, yeah, man. We ought to be more excited about church than we are about the ball game. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say amen? amen? Can you say amen? amen? Are you all right? Oh, my God. And how do you do that? If you have trouble in that area, I'm not putting you down. There was a day I'd go play golf on Sunday morning rather than go to church. I didn't want to come to church. I'm talking after I was saved. I wanted to go play golf. I wanted to go gamble on the golf course, see if I could make a, make a, make a dollar. And, and, and that was more exciting to me than coming to church. But you know, I've starved that over the years. And now, I, I tell you what, golf or come to church, I'd rather come to church. But you see, that didn't happen overnight. Nobody laid hands on me and cast something out of me. I just had to get my priorities straight and say, yeah, hey, let's be excited about golf let's do that but let's be far more excited about God and the things of God and getting people saved and help can you say amen glory to God that's all I'm saying you got to starve some of these things. Perhaps you're bound by an improper relationship. I know what it's like to be in a, in a I don't mean a sexual one, I mean in a relationship. I'm thinking years ago, back into the early to mid-80s, there was a relationship I had. Oh my God, it was, it was bondage. I was saved. I loved God. But this, this relationship, it bound me. But, I, but, but, but finally I got, you know, some people, you got to love them from a distance. I'm almost done, but listen to me. Isn't, isn't loving somebody from a distance better than hating them up close? 
and I got away from that person. And there was a day that the relationship I had with this certain person, it bound me, it controlled me. I've, been, I've starved that thing so long that you know that has no effect on me now. Done. Some people are bound by what people think. Do you know some people are bound what uh, Joyce Meyer calls, and I like it, approval addiction. One of the reasons, a lot of times you'll see me and I don't want to get into all the details of it. One of the reasons that I, that I sometimes just go to my office is you don't even, people, they'll talk about it, say, well, he goes to his office. I have a problem with approval addiction. My wife will tell you, I need people to approve of everything I do, everything I say. And I stand at the door and I need that. I need people to come and tell, oh, it's a good message. And, and there's nothing wrong with telling me that. Now nobody's going to tell me it's a good message. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. But sometimes, sometimes the reason I do that is I'm starving myself. I don't need, I, did I come out here as a man of God and say what God wanted me to say to the best of my ability? Fine, then game, set, match. I don't need anybody to approve of it as long as he does. Did you hear me? So sometimes when you see me do that, I'm not being antisocial. I'm just, I'm starving something. And we get totally free of it. And well, it's self-pity. Has anybody ever had a problem with that? Bound with it. How many has ever had good pity parties? My, now, my wife won't attend my pity parties. I have, so, I have thrown some big ones. You'd be bound by that. You can, I've seen Christians bound, woe is me, feel sorry for themselves. The only way you get, you know, some things you just got to break out of. Inferiority, has anybody struggled with that besides me? I tell you what, that can bind you up where you think other people are better than you. How many of you know you shouldn't, we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought? Is that right? Is that right? Some people have a problem with, they think that, they think that they're this, the greatest thing in the world. I struggled with that when I was young, but then see, I went from that ditch over to this ditch over here where I don't think much of myself. See, so you got to, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but you ought to think somewhat of yourself. Is that right? You ought to think in line with yourself what the word of God says. See, I'm still dealing with that, you see. And then here's, here's another one. Things that happened to you are words that were spoken over, over you in years gone by. How many of you ever had something bad happen to you when you were young? How many of you ever had somebody say something bad to you or negative to you when you were young? I remember this is a, this is a crazy thing. This is a, this is a, this, I need to hurry up. This is a crazy, helping people. What are we doing? We're loosening people. We're loosening people. I said we're loosening people. Glory to God. Let me just give me a few more minutes and loose you. I had this woman, a friend of mine, when I was when I was about fourteen years old. I stood. I, I, I just. I was. We were bowling, and I came back, and this woman said, "This is how I was fourteen. I'm fifty. So you do the math. All those years ago, this woman said to me. She said, you know, you don't have.' And she wasn't that good a bowler herself. She said, "You know what? You're not a good bowler. You have no talent in it at all. Well, who died and left you, God, lady?" But that got in my thinking. And God is my witness. There's times yet when I'll stand on that bowling alley and guess what I can hear? I can hear those words. Now, now I just, I've gotten to the point where, and I throw a strike, bless God. But you know, there's people been told when they were young that they were ugly or they were fat or by their parents sometimes or someone. They, and you know what? Years come and go. They're Christians, but that, they're bound. 
They're bound in their thinking. They're bound. And you know what? You know, my wife tells me, because the other day I said to her, I said, you know what? I stand on the bowling alley sometimes and I think about what that woman, she said, my goodness, Terry, you're 50 years old. You got a bigger ovation than I ever got. I got a good wife. My goodness, you're 50 years old. It's time to, you know, there's some things, well, ask the church to pray for you on that. No, there's some things we just need to get over. Shake it off, get over it, get loose, you know, and move on. Is that right? I'll close with this. A good preacher closes four or five times, so I'm on, what, three, so we're almost done. You know, I've seen Christians bound with depression. In one message, you're going to find out all my problems. <laughs> I'm telling you what, sometimes, and it's better, but I mean, there's sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, it just... And you know, there's three things that have caused depression. Maybe, maybe you just sat through all that to get to this. Three things. Circumstantial. Something bad happened. You lost a loved one. Second thing, chemical. You know chemical imbalances can cause, and we're all for good hospitals, doctors, and medicines. If, uh, if you can get a right balance of medicine, all for it, do it. And then the final thing is spiritual. Did you know there are spirits, what I call spirit of heaviness? And, 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 and with me, it, it, it's not the circumstantial, it's not the chemical, but there's sometimes this, this demonic stuff. I mean, it just will come. Yeah, but you're a pastor. You, yeah, the devil's trying to take me out. Do you understand? And, and, and certain times, particularly, sometimes you'll know it's a spiritual thing, typically if it's certain times of the day. One of the worst times is Saturday afternoons from about noon until the sun starts going down. See, that's not chemical, that's not circumstantial, that's spiritual. You've got to stand against it. How do, I, how do I get loose? Stand against it. I said stand against it. How do I stand against it? Know the word? The truth will what? Make you free. Is that right? And Jesus used his words to loose that woman. Is that right? He said, he said, woman, thou art what? Thou art loosed. He told the disciples, he said, loose Lazarus and let him go. Did you get anything out of this today? Look, if you're bound by sickness and disease, we can take the power of God and help you. If you're bound by a spirit of poverty, we can, we can break that spirit, but unless you'll do the natural things and the spiritual things, you, you won't stay free very long. There's a spirit of fear. We can bind up a spirit of fear, but then you've got to make a decision to walk free of it, you see. The deeds of the flesh, I can't pray for you. As a, the only thing I can do is pray that the spirit of God would, would strengthen you, but when it comes to the deeds of the flesh, like, you know, you know what, we, what we talked about, you're going to have to starve. Realize I say starve? You're going to have to starve those things. And, and some of the stuff people spoke bad words over you. The stuff, I mean, some of that you got to You just got to get like my wife tells me. You just got to get over it. You just got to just feed yourself on the word of God and refuse to be moved by what people said about you twenty years ago. Self pity. You got to fight that. You just got to fight that. You just got to fight it. Inferiority. You got to fight it. But you know what? It's a fight we can win. Can you say Amen? And depression. If it's chemical, you need a doctor. If it's circumstantial, you need time. And if it's spiritual, well, we can help.